Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Innovate Finance, our podcast series where we speak to leaders across industry to talk about financial innovation and fintech. I'm Rolf Merchant, part of the team at Innovate Finance, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Roxanne Sanguinetti, who is head of strategy at GHCO. Roxanne, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's a great pleasure. Um, Roxanne, we'll get on to GHCO and what the business does in a little bit. But actually, I'd quite like to start with you yourself. Could you just start by telling us a little bit about your your personal background and how you came into the fintech industry? Sure. So I think I, I knew from quite a young age that I was attracted to finance and working with numbers. So I followed that path and I um, started by studying international business and then a master's in finance. And I got my dream job as a trader at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch in London. Um, although it was my dream job, but after a couple of years, I grew frustrated of the, the slow pace of innovation in the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading about a lot of incredible new technology and, and honestly, I wasn't seeing much of it implemented in my daily job. Um, so I made the move to the fintech industry. Um, and it's been life-changing. <laughs> um, I first joined a startup working within capital markets. Mm. And a couple of years ago, I joined GHCO um, because the new management team there wanted to reshape the business completely and become a true fintech. Um, and I've been leading them on that path. Absolutely fantastic. Well, great to hear that desire to do something innovative and, and be um, kind of at the cutting edge of, of technology and finance. Um, brilliant. So tell us a bit about um, GHCO then. What is its core proposition? And I suppose, what problems are you trying to solve? So today is the first time ever that everyone can you know, trade, invest or access a quite a varied range of investment opportunities just at the touch of a button, right? From your phone, you can do anything. Um, and anyone can build a diversified portfolio of assets. Um, I think ETFs, exchange-traded funds, are mostly to thank for that. And what most people don't know or don't realize is that the cost of trading is still a lot higher for the everyday investor than mm-hmm. for institutionals. Yeah. So our job at GHCO is to make financial markets a lot more accessible and transparent to all investors. So what we do is that we support the ETF ecosystem by providing liquidity on thousands of listings across stock exchanges in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we lower the cost of trading for investors um, in two different ways. So one way is by... Um, in a way, fostering competition between the exchange-traded funds. So, for example, um, about a year ago, we helped Seba Bank um, launch a Bitcoin ETF, um, and they launched with a management fee of 0.75%, when over similar ETFs at the time were charging between 2 to 2.5% to their investors. So that's a huge cost savings. Now, a second way um, that we do is by... Um, we call it tightening the spreads. Um, for listeners that might not be familiar with the concept, the spread is simply your cost of buying or selling an asset. So when you go on a trading app, you'll notice that you have two prices. The highest price is the one at which you buy. The, low, the lowest price is the one at which you sell. Mm. And the difference between these two is the spread. And um, essentially, the wider it is, the more difficult it will be to make money from this investment. 
And because there are not many businesses like GHCO in financial markets, the spreads can sometimes be very, very wide. Um, I can use a quick example to make it clearer um, if that helps. So let's say you're buying a share at £100 and for some reason you instantly regret it and you just want to sell it back. If you can sell it at £99.9, you will be happier than if you sell it at £95, right? Yeah. Because in the first case, your spread is one cent. So the difference between 100 and 99.9. And the second, in the second scenario, the spread is five pounds. So you have just paid 5% of your investment to get out of it. So our job is to make sure that you always pay a fair price for your investment. Yeah, that's, um, that's really clear. And that's a great example, actually, of fintech in action, just to Know, improve cost savings and make things a little bit more efficient. And I suppose that leads me to a slightly bigger question, which is about disruption in capital markets more generally. It's obviously a huge sector, uh, billions or trillions of pounds involved. From a you know, from a fintech point of view, what do you see as the really big disruptive trends you are seeing in, in capital markets right now? So capital markets, in general, I think are, are becoming more accessible to everyone, more inclusive and, and cheaper. Um, in public markets, a few years ago, it was completely unthinkable for someone like you or I to invest in emerging markets, for example. So now via ETFs, you can buy Chinese tech companies or, I don't know, Brazilian industrial companies, or even more simply, you could decide to buy some um, British bonds. Um, if you wanted to support the British economy in a way. Um, and that's been a, a, a huge improve, improvement, I think, for um, for the everyday investors. But I, I also keep an eye on the private side of um, capital markets. I started angel investing a couple of years ago, and I think in general, it's now easier than ever to support early stage businesses. So either via crowdfunding, um, that's existed for a few years already, but now what we're seeing also VCs opening up to the general public, like for example, Passion Capital partnered with Cedars recently to give access to their latest fundraise. Um, mm. And I think that's a pretty interesting development. Um, and we also see some fintechs opening access to the IPO market to everyday investors. Yeah. Um, so capital markets are really becoming more and more inclusive. Um, and that's something that I actually talked about um, with Sam Lawson, VP Capital Markets at Crowdcube um, on um, April 4th at um, Innovate Finance Global Summit. So I don't know if there is a, a replay of that discussion as well. Yes, there should be something available. Yes, we'll, 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 we'll link it out when we, um, when we put this podcast out for sure. That's, um, that's great. And look, two really powerful examples. You mentioned um, IPOs. Obviously, we have members, I suppose, like Primary Bid, um, looking at doing that. And, and yeah, that accessibility for you know, the everyday investor is a really interesting development and a very positive one. Um, now, thinking about the fintech sector as a whole, so this is a big question, um, but keen to hear your thoughts on it. Think of fintech as a whole, where do you see the industry going over the next few years? And I'm thinking, you know, slightly longer term, maybe it's more like a sort of three, four, five, even 10 year horizon. What, what are your views there? Yeah. Um, so I think we, we are seeing um, that 
still um, most of VC funding goes to the fintech sector at the moment, mm. um, which in my opinion is a sign that we still have a lot to get done in the industry. Um, we're very privileged in London because we have access to the latest innovations in, in the fintech sector, whereas a lot of markets in Europe are still very much underserved. So I think we'll see big expansion plans from a lot of fintech businesses over the coming years. Um, now, one challenge that I see for the industry is talent acquisition. Um, the tech talent pool is deep in Europe, but every business is now expanding into tech, right? So mm. it makes it very competitive for fintech businesses to attract and retain talent. Um, and I also think that as an industry overall, we have to get better at um, including women. Um, and now, of course, we talk a lot about recruitment of female talent, um, but I also look at it from the angle of building the products. Um, most of the investment platforms that are live at the moment have a ridiculously low engagement of women. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that's due to how um, they perceive the brand of these platforms. Women have different investing needs from men and they're not well catered for. So we are now seeing a few female founders are focusing exclusively on solving this sort of gender investing gap. And um, one that I follow closely actually is um, Minnie Maxwell who is building Alpha. So it's a female first investment platform. It combines community, education, investment. And what I want to see within the fintech sector over the, you know, you said three, four, maybe 10 years is to see more funding going to these initiatives because mm. I believe that growing the wealth of women will benefit society as a whole. And, and that's, that's really what um, the fintech sector needs to, um, to get a hold of. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that we as Innovate Finance have been focused on for some time. We produce annual investment figures into UK fintech and the percentage that goes to female founders is uh ridiculously low um even with yeah, sort of female still way too low yeah way too low i mean it's something it's 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 less than five percent i think at the last count um yeah so, yeah um i think it's gotten even worse during the pandemic unfortunately because i think some very big rounds and actually a lot of the big rounds in fintech go to all male funding teams because they're less um less big fintechs that are led by women so mm. um so the numbers have actually um gotten worse over the the last couple of years unfortunately indeed so yes um well bearing that in mind and, and thinking about sort of what what you yourself want to do at gc at ghco um both you know personally and 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 with the business where do you see yourselves heading over the next year or so? What sort of milestones and announcements can we expect from GHCO? Um, so I recently moved to a new role as head of strategy at GHCO because we are expanding. Um, so it means that I'm now looking at new areas of growth for the business. And my main focus has been on digital assets so far. So that space has been maturing. Um, and we're looking to help where we can. And again, by lowering the cost of trading. But this time, what's interesting is that unlike traditional markets, crypto is a market where institutional investors struggle to get access rather than retail investors. Um, retail actually 
gain first mover advantage in that market. So first we're looking at supporting ETFs in the digital asset space, but we're also now looking into what we can do to make the market more secure, less volatile. Um, so who we can partner with, um, crypto exchanges that we can help with our expertise um, because we've been an FCA regulated business for a while now and very few businesses in digital assets have that experience. So we want to, as I said, help out where we can on that. Yeah, really interesting. And I actually think that's a, a very good place to, to stop. Um, a good look ahead to the future. Um, Roxanne, thank you so much. Some really interesting insights there. Um, honestly, can't thank you enough. Lots of interesting things to to uh, develop further and explore more. And looking forward to hearing more from GHCO over the next few months. Um, so thanks so much for joining. Thank you. Well, that is about it for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please do keep an eye out for upcoming episodes. We do have many more conversations with fintech players planned. And of course, we have all our previous episodes available to listen to on our website. So please do take a look at our back catalogue for many more insights on fintech and financial innovation. My thanks once again to Roxanne Sanguinetti, who is Head of Strategy at GHCO. Thank you at home for listening. And do join us next time for Coffee with Innovate Finance. Bye for now.